friends, we are to the book of James, or the general epistle of James. Now, I don't know if you've recently done any looking into who James actually is, but I think that James may have had a really cool growing up and a really hard growing up at the same time. Let me tell you what I mean. It is generally believed that the author of the epistle of James was the son of Mary, the mother of Jesus Christ, and therefore the half-brother of the Savior. James was also a church leader in Jerusalem and had been called to be an apostle. Now, you can find this information from the Come, Follow Me manual, page 186. So, I think his growing up would be pretty cool because his older brother was literally Jesus Christ. I also think that his growing up would be kind of difficult because his older brother was literally Jesus Christ. So when Mary and Joseph, if they ever said, why can't you be like your older brother? There would have to have been some moments that were really tough because his older brother was perfect. Like we all have that perfect older sibling, you know, the one that didn't do things wrong or that, you know, the mom loved the most, right? But in the case of James, his sibling really was perfect because it was the Savior. I don't know about you, but that'd be a crazy growing up. Now, that being said, we get this fantastic letter from him where he writes about teachings of the Savior. Who better to write them than somebody who had a front seat to what the Savior was doing, not just in the three years of his ministry, but for his whole life of how he lived it. See, when you think of the epistle of James, though, probably what immediately comes to your mind is the scripture that reads, and if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who give it to all men liberally, right? And you probably are finishing the rest of that, James 1, 5, and 6, because we've heard that multiple times, especially when it comes to the recounting the first vision of the prophet Joseph Smith. You may also, though, be thinking of, well, faith without works is dead. Works you do, James 2. And to be very candid, for the vast majority of my life, when anybody mentioned the book of James, those were the two things that immediately came to my mind. I'm going to be very transparent. On this reading through the book of James, preparing to share some insights with you, I decided to dig in really deep and see what I could find. And the reality is, is I found a minimum of 25 doctrinal principles packed into six pages or these five short chapters. So today I'm going to purposefully not focus on the first vision because that's where many of you are going to gravitate in your family or class discussions anyway and have. So rather what I'm going to do is something a little bit different. I'm going to focus on one principle per chapter. So are you ready? So here is principle number one. If you're taking notes or keeping score, you know, you can write this down somewhere. But this is the first principle. Chapter one, the principle is straightforward, and that is the way we think matters. The way and what we think matters. Look at verse number eight. James one, verse number eight. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. I don't know about you, but that's pretty straightforward. We can't have it both ways. A double-minded man is unstable in all ways. So we have to choose a direction where it is that we're going to go. And to really better understand this, James pushes us a step further. 
So we're going to jump over into James chapter 12 and we see this. Blessed is the man that, Joseph Smith translation, resisteth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I'm tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Did you catch that piece? God can't tempt you. It's never going to come for him in. 14, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away by his own lust and enticed. Now, I love the word enticed because the word enticed shows up in another place that I think is very valuable. And that is over in 2 Nephi. And when Lehi is teaching the plan of salvation to his children in chapter two, he says this about being enticed. Verse 16, wherefore the Lord God gave unto man that he should act for himself. You and I, we are free agents. We get to act for ourselves. Wherefore, man could not act for himself, save it should be that he was enticed by one or the other. So if I'm enticed, what that means is I've got to be attracted to or tempted by offering pleasure or an advantage. Did you catch that? If I'm enticed, I'm attracted to or tempted by an offering of pleasure or some sort of advantage. So some of us, we do the things we do because it entices us. We think that there's an advantage. Let's be honest, sometimes that's why people lie, right? Because they're enticed, they're tempted to the advantage that they'll have if they don't tell the truth. Verse 15, then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Did you catch that? Temptation brings lust, lust brings sin, and sin brings death. Now you'll be saying, well, wait, I commit sin and I am not dead. You are absolutely right because you are still listening to my voice and I am mortal, you're mortal. But a part of your spirit has been damaged. And if we continue long enough in that state, we can spiritually die, but we can also physically die depending on what choices we're making. So verse 16, he says, do not err, my beloved brethren. What an amazing warning. Do not err. 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. All good things come from God. So chapter one. Will you take President Nelson's invitation to think celestial? Why? Well, because a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And if you and I truly want to be stable, we've got to choose the Lord's way. So will you? Will you take President Nelson's invitation to think celestial? That brings us to chapter two. And The rhyme that we're going to use to help us remember what's found in James chapter two is James two works you do. Now you're going to understand this a little bit better as we start walking through some of these verses. Let me show you what I mean. Let's start with verse number 14. What doth it profit my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? I love how James is immediately trying to help us understand that faith is an action word. You and I, we need to do something if we have faith. And then James immediately gives us an example to draw upon. 
in verses 15 and 16. Here's his example. Listen close. If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit him? I mean, can you imagine seeing somebody naked and hungry and saying, Go away now, be warm, be full, and that's all you did? Well, of course, that's not going to do much. And James says that in verse 17. Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me my faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Or in other words, your actions speak about what you believe. I'm going to say that again. Your actions speak about what you believe. Verse 19. Thou believest that there is one God, and thou doest well. Joseph Smith translation. Devils also believe and tremble. Thou hast made thyself like unto them, not being justified. I love this verse because it reminds us that it's not enough to believe in Christ. Devils know that Christ is real. They remember him, but it doesn't change their action. See, we've got to not only have faith in him and know him, but we've got to act the part. I'm grateful for an opportunity that I had recently to really understand the works. My ward organized, I'm grateful for them. Wardies, love you. Here's a shout out. But my ward organized this really great activity. It was a service activity. And they brought together the young women and the Relief Society. And we had the opportunity to create food packages and snack packages for homeless youth in our county. Now, if you know our county, Davis County, you might say to yourself, there's not a lot of homeless youth, but it actually is a growing epidemic. And in the process, we had the opportunity to write them notes of encouragement to create these different things. But I got to watch the young women really, really shine as they came together to help build these different packets, to color, to write notes. And then I got to watch my own daughter get excited about we gone and gotten a bunch of lots of trick-or-treating candy, right? Because we're just barely past that holiday here. And watched as my daughter relinquished without hesitation, in fact, quite joyfully, candy that she'd gotten trick-or-treating at Disneyland, another candy that we had had at home because we needed it for those that didn't have it. And I share that with you because it's the actions that matter. President Faust taught it this way. He says, our actions speak louder than words. Actions mean more to the Lord than words. So invitation number two, will you act celestial? Will you take President Nelson's invitation and kick it up a notch? Not only will you think celestial, but but will you start to act celestial? As you do, you'll be prepared for what James is trying to teach us, one of the principles in chapter three. See, in chapter three, he starts off with really bringing me back some fantastic memories of my childhood. Verse number three, he says, Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Now, if any of you have had the opportunity of riding horses, you understand what he's talking about there. There's the metal bit that you put in, and it goes down on the horse's tongue. And in the process of that, you're able to turn the horse any direction you want to go. 
One particular day, I thought I was old enough to saddle and bridle the horse myself. And so I'd gone over to our corrals growing up and I'd done that. And I'd actually begun to ride the horse. And we had this wonderful mare. Her name was Sadie. She was a beautiful black little mare. Loved her to pieces. She was as gentle as the day was long. But on this particular day, as I was trying to ride her, she was going ballistic at me, almost to the point where I almost got thrown. And so I found myself getting off and instead of using the bridle and the bit, I used a lead to get her to my brother's house, at which point my brother was able to show me the error of my ways. I'd actually put the bridle on upside down. And in the process, I had actually cut off her ability to breathe with the straps. See, a bit in the horse's mouth can cause it to obey. She wasn't obeying because I'd put the bit in wrong. Verse four. Behold also the ships, which are though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. I love that, the little tiny rudder on the ship. And if you look at those big, large cruise ships or even the big, long aircraft carriers, they all have this little tiny helm that directs them in the water. Something so small has the ability to change the direction of something so large. And then James just like sucker punches us in the gut. Get ready. I'm not even joking. It's coming. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. Verse six, and the tongue is a fire. A world of iniquity, so is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire of hell. Holy shnikes, ever have stuff come out of your mouth that you wish you could just put back in? Ever had your tongue engage in conversation that you were like, whoa, did I really just say that out loud? I personally have had that happen. Ever text something that after a while you thought about it, you wish that you could have not sent it? I really love that delete feature, but I don't know that it like lasts long enough. Like sometimes I need to delete it after the time allotment for deleting. Or have you ever posted something and then later on thought, whew, I better take that down. Or ah, that did not land the way that I thought that it would. And if you think about it, all of it came from that really small part, your tongue. See a little tiny thing or small things matter. The words that you speak, text, and post matter. So will you take James's invitation to speak, text, and post celestial? Will you speak, text, and post? Say that one fast. Speak, text, post. Will you speak, text, and post celestial? Because as you're doing that, you're going to attract the right things. My mom used to say, be the friend you wish you had. I love that. That's like a one sentence Packed with power. Be the friend you wish you had. Well, James says something very interesting to us about friendship in chapter four, verse number four. Now, listen to the whole verse because as it starts, you may be thinking, wait, what? So James four, chapter four, verse four, be the friend you wish you had. Verse four starts with, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that? The friendship of the world is 
enmity with God? Whoso therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Now, I don't know about you, but that's pretty straightforward. Whoso is a friend of the world is an enemy to God. So if I want to be God's friend, I got to do something. And James does not miss a beat. Being the brother of the Savior, he comes at us with this. Verse number 17. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is a sin. To him who knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is a sin. Someone in 2023 would say, if you know something and you don't do it, it's a sin. So if you know you're supposed to pay tithing and you don't, that is a sin. If you're like me and you know you're supposed to have clean speech and you don't, we've already confessed that's one of my favorite sins. So the reality is we all have them. You know, the thing that you know is wrong, but you still do it. Because why? Well, because it entices you. You think that there's some type of advantage, some type of pleasure from it. And we continue to do it. But if we want to be a friend to God, we can't be a friend to the world. So will you be a better friend to God and subsequently those around you by being a more celestial friend? Will you be a friend to God and subsequently those around you by being a more celestial friend? Now, I am very blessed because a loving Heavenly Father has known that I've needed those kinds of friends to kind of shepherd me. I needed them when I was in elementary school. I needed them in junior high. I needed them in high school. In fact, one of my friends, she is the number one reason I did not get drunk ever in high school. Because I got a wild hair one weekend in my sophomore year and thought, that's what I need to do. I need to go try that with all of these other kids. And uh, gratefully so, one of my friends literally talked me out of it and then dropped me off at my house. And after that, I, I kind of got my, my life squared around a little bit and decided that wasn't what I wanted to do. And because of that really great celestial friend and series of celestial friends that then Heavenly Father knew I needed to buoy me up, I was able to exit high school without falling into some of those follies. So will you be that friend? The one that builds? The one that is a friend to God? See, he tells us in verse number eight, draw nigh unto God and he will draw nigh unto you. If you and I want to have a loving Heavenly Father as part of our lives, we've got to be that kind of friend. See, James literally had the perfect example in front of him his whole life. James would have never known growing up without the perfect brother. And I don't know about you, being the youngest of eight, I've had the opportunity to watch seven other examples. And I'm going to completely own that I picked different qualities from each of my siblings that I wanted to develop and that I candidly wanted to emulate. One of the things that I love about that is that the power of emulation is real. In fact, Anonymous, we've talked about him. Anonymous said, emulation is the highest form of adoration. I love that. Emulation is one of the highest forms of adoration. Well, there's another mentor in my life that I really, really looked up to. And his name was Presidente Haas, my mission president. 
Now, my mission president was an interesting guy, and he really caught my attention because he was a partner in a law firm in Santa Barbara, California, when he was called to serve as a mission president. That really intrigued me at the time because all I wanted to do growing up was I wanted to be a lawyer. And so I was super excited to have a mission president that that was his occupation. But I watched President Haas as a mission president, and I came to love him and his wife so dearly. I loved his family very, very much. In fact, to this day, I still very much look forward to getting my Christmas card from Hermana Haas, Presidente. He passed away a couple of years ago. But when asked about his success, President Haas said something very interesting. He said, when my wife and I got married, we looked around in our ward for what we deemed as a successful couple. And we paid attention to different things that they did. And we started to do those ourselves in our own lives. And then in the process of that, it's like I became more like them. And I knew that I wanted to give my life to the Lord. So what I would find is I would find somebody who was serving the Lord and I would try to do what they were doing. And before I knew it, the Lord began to use me. Now, I don't know about you, but I want the Lord to be able to use me. When I look at my mission president, not only did he serve as the mission president for the Spain-Barcelona mission while I was a missionary, he and his wife were later called to be the first mission presidents at the... Madrid, Spain, MTC when it opened up. He had the opportunity to serve in the temple presidency, not once, but twice. And I want to be like President Haas, but I know that one of the things that President Haas was doing was one of the invitations that James gives us in chapter five, verse 10. Are you ready? It's sweet and simple. Take my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. You and I are to take the prophets as an example of how we should be. So will you do me a really wild one? Will you pick an apostle or church leader and work to become like them? Study their lives and begin to emulate them. Because I know that they are working to emulate the Savior. You see, we have only touched on five principles that maybe you haven't noticed before in the book of James. There are at least 20 more that we could spend our time looking at. So I encourage you, if you haven't recently, dig into the book of James and learn from the half-brother of the Savior. And I also invite you to go and do the following. Will you go and study the book of James to learn from him? Will you go this week and think more celestial? Because our thoughts really do matter. Will you act more celestial because you know that our actions mean more to the Lord than just our words? Will you speak, text, and post more celestial because you have control of that little tiny thing in your body, your tongue? Will you be that celestial friend because you are following the counsel of living prophets? I know as we learn from the brother of the Savior who learned from the Savior his entire life, we can become more like the Savior. Think, act, speak, text, post, be a celestial friend by following the prophets. You've got this. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Go and Do podcast. We'd love it if you'd take time to leave us a review and also click follow. 
We would definitely love to hear from you, and you can reach us by either emailing the go and do podcast at gmail.com or following us on Instagram at the go and do podcast. I'm going to own. It may take me a minute to get back to you on the email, but it's just because I can't get in. Anyway, would love to hear from you. The Go and Do podcast is created by me, Candace Shu, and produced by Cami Fisher. We hope that you enjoyed your time with us and that you have a good time. Don't be a good time. Let's go and do. We'll talk soon.